Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. Merry Christmas. On behalf of the staff and community of Prince of Peace Lutheran Church, if you're new or visiting us tonight, welcome. We're delighted that you've joined us on this holy evening to celebrate and remember the gift of Christ born among us. When I was a kid, one of the things I looked forward to the most about Christmas break was spending a few days with my dad, indulging in a movie marathon. This was well before the days of binge-watching Netflix or streaming an entire series of Game of Thrones. Back then, you had to stockpile VHS tapes or hope for a good marathon on TBS. One year, it was old episodes of The Andy Griffith Show, hours and hours of Barney Fife. Another, it was the Godfather's Godfather movies, despite my mom's disdain for eight-year-old Lauren watching The Godfather. One year, and I'm not ashamed to admit it, it was Hercules with Kevin Sorbo and Xena Warrior Princess. <laughs> hours and hours. But hands down, my favorite year was the one when Dad and I spent days watching old James Bond movies. Dr. No, From Russia with Love, Goldfinger, Diamonds Are Forever. As a kid, one of the things I loved about watching the old Bond movies or any movie from that era, the golden era of cinema, the 1950s, 1960s for Bond, was how they would soften the edges of the leading actors and actresses on close-ups. You can see there, around their heads, there's this glow. Watching that as a kid was magical. I think we've done something very similar with Christmas. As one pastor has written, our pictures of the Holy Family are softened. Even sepia tone in their depiction of all that is lovely and fair. Mary in her blue robe, gazing lovingly at her glowing newborn. Joseph, attentive to both of their needs. Shepherds, gazing on in wonder. Their charges, puffy white balls of cotton in the background, and rays of angels' glory streaming in through the windows of a well-swept stable with strains of joy to the world, in the background. It is a beautiful image. But of course, it wasn't like that at all. We've softened the edges around the scene, maybe a bit too far. Stables and farms are earthy, full of raw and real life, the sounds and smells of animals, and we know that labor rooms are anything but meek and mild. Mary must have been frightened and overwhelmed and, yes, overjoyed. 
in the midst of the chaos. Joseph, I imagine, felt in way over his head. And the shepherds could have only been half present as they adored Jesus and also kept one eye on their flock wandering off nearby. Can you imagine the chaos of that night? Now you've probably heard realistic retellings of the Christmas story on Christmas Eve. And that's not what I'm interested in this year. I'm more curious about why it is that we prefer and keep coming back to the photoshopped version of Christmas. When we know the truth about the scene, why is it that we still put out porcelain figurines, precious moments displays, and continue to long for that soft amber glow made visible through dim lighting surrounded by holly and the smells of peppermint and pine. (sighs) Right? I have a hunch. I think it's because life is hard. Do you know what I mean? 2019 has been a challenging year for the life of my family and for many of those that I love. I found myself in the midst of those struggles longing for the warmth and amber glow of Christmas earlier than normal. Anyone with me? Two of you. (laughs) Well then, the rest of you can quit listening. I mean, seriously, this year, I've listened to carols on the radio earlier than normal. I started wearing my snowflake L.L. Bean patterned fleece in late October, folks. I even wanted to put the Christmas lights up a full week before Thanksgiving and thank God for Becca, who said no. They went up the day after Thanksgiving. The truth of the matter is, life has been hard for us. Life is hard. We've had enough of the constant news cycle, one drama revved up after another let alone our own drama, the real drama of our everyday lives. Work, bills, obligations, friends and family members battling cancer, the lingering grief of longing for our loved ones who have passed away. Our search for meaning in the midst of a world that to me seems to be spinning out of control. And so I think this annual longing for the warmth of Christmas, for the softened edges of a nativity scene, well, it's understandable. Many of us come to Christmas looking for comfort and peace. We come to Christmas, to this evening, seeking nostalgia, memories, and good cheer. So God, listen to me. Give us this comfort that you know we need. Give us cookies and eggnog and rum balls and Red Ryder BB guns and Cousin Eddie visiting Clark. Give it to us, all of it. But God, give us something more. Because the reality is, our longing, it runs deeper than just comfort. Dig further down into the aching of your heart 
and you will find what it truly longs for. When you push past the need for comfort, what our hearts truly need is transformation. Many of us come to Christmas seeking comfort and order. And what we find in the witness of Scripture, well, it's far more powerful and life-changing. The author of Luke's Gospel knows something about wanting to order chaotic lives. In fact, the story begins just there, naming up front the rulers of this world who were responsible for maintaining and enforcing the peace of the empire. To this point, Luke sets his story amid a census, the act of ordering, registering, counting, taxing, everything. Yet this is only in the background for Luke. The main action takes place not at the center, but on the fringe, far away from the centers of power in a little backwater town called Bethlehem where a scared young girl and her equally scared husband can't find a decent place to give birth to their firstborn son. And so they're forced to take refuge with animals and dirty shepherds and even dirtier sheep. Why does Luke tell the story in this way? And more importantly, why does God do it this way? I've come to believe that this whole story the whole unfolding of Christ born among us is an indictment on the order of the world, an accusation against the way things had become. One scholar put it this way, that by playing out this redemptive story on the fringe of things, just where you least expect God to be, God is telling us that the way things usually are in our world it's not good enough for God's creation. It's almost like God is whispering to us something that deep down we already know is true, but we're afraid to admit, even to ourselves, that these lives that you've created, that I've created, this world that we work so hard to manage and maintain while beautiful and precious and wonderful, are also vulnerable, fragile, and insufficient. Even the best of lives is filled by measures of regret and disappointment. And if we take a moment to gaze around us, we will see many, many in our world are living lives that are difficult, painful, and cut far too short. And so God decided to come, not at the center of the world to straighten things out just a little bit, but on the fringe of the world to call the orders and structures of the day into question and to herald a new beginning altogether. Ultimately, Luke's gospel, if we're willing to listen, witnesses to the simple and yet terrifying fact that God did not come in Jesus to make things a little bit better, a little more bearable. God came in Jesus to turn over the tables, to create a whole new system, to resurrect and redeem us rather than just rehabilitate us 
Christmas is not only about a baby and a manger and a soft, glowing nativity. It's about God's decision for the world. God's decision to bring hope to the hopeless, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the prisoner free, to give sight to the blind, to make the lame walk, to turn enemies into allies for justice, to raise the dead, and to make all things new. God comes at the edge of the story and our lives to speak quietly but firmly through the blood, sweat, and tears and labor pains of a young mother and the cry of her infant that God is unshakably, unflinchably for us, joined to our ups and downs, our hopes and fears, and that that God is committed to giving us not just more of the same, but something brand new. Christ comes, not just to give us more of the life we know, but new, abundant life altogether. For in Christ we have the promises that God will not stop until each and every one of us have been embraced and caught up in God's tremendous love and have heard and felt and experienced the good news that unto you, for you, this day is born a Savior, Christ the Lord. So where do you find yourself this evening? Emotionally, physically, spiritually. Wherever you are, trust in the promise that God is not only for you, but that God is with you. With you. Through your darkest moments and deepest fears, beckoning you and calling you toward the light. In our staff devotions this week, Mary Ellen, our youth director, shared this litany from Jan Richardson. I pray that you may find comfort in her words. All throughout these months, as the shadows have lengthened, this blessing has been gathering itself, making ready, preparing for this night. It is practice walking in the dark, traveling with its eyes closed, feeling its way by memory, by touch, by the pull of the moon, even as it wanes. So believe me when I tell you, this blessing will reach you, even if you have not enough light to read it. It will find you, even if you cannot see it coming. You will know the moment of its arriving by the release of your breath that you have held for so long. A loosening of the clenching in your hands, of the clutch around your heart. A thinning of the darkness that had drawn itself around you. This blessing does not mean to take the night away, but it knows its hidden roads. It knows the resting spots along the path. Knows what it means to travel in the company of a good friend. So when this blessing comes, take its hand. Get up. Set out on the road you cannot see. 
This is the night when you can trust that any direction you go, you will be walking toward the dawn. This Christmas, one of our three-year-old Noah's early Christmas presents was a big boy bed. He has officially graduated from his crib. Well-seasoned parents here tonight understand what Becca and I have gone through this last week. (laughs) The safety and security of Noah's crib and its walls of protection have been removed. And now he rests at night in the freedom of a bed with no walls. He is free to look about his room from a new vantage point. And as is true with any change, any newfound freedom or growth, along with excitement, comes fear. In this time of transition, Noah has become fearful of his room at night and the darkness. So Becca and I have started leaving the hallway light on for Noah that shines through the cracks of his door at night. Church, may you, like Noah, in your moments of fear and uncertainty, may you keep looking for the light. And when you rise, may you walk toward the new day dawning. For the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.